Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is primarily, usually, every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer discussed, rehashed, 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 recapped, re all the things exactly 20 years after its original air date. But as promised, <laughs> I'm finally here to talk to you guys about. Um, movies from the year 2000. So I had promised you guys, I think my last episode that I recorded was like the very beginning of June. And I had promised you guys that I was going to be like talking about different movies from the year 2000 throughout the summer. And it's been, you know, two full months almost. And I have just been absent. And I apologize for that. I did that. I did that last summer too. Like I probably had a similar vague promise that I was going to talk about the movies of 1999 last year and then I just disappeared for the entire summer. So I apologize for that. I have not gotten any messages from you guys like yelling at me so hopefully you didn't even notice. (laughs) But if you did, I apologize for like I think I probably said something like hey, I might take a couple weeks off. Maybe it'll be a month but probably not that long. But then it's been almost two. So I apologize for that. It's just, um, I have so many like projects that I do that I think, I always think at the beginning of a summer that I'm really, really going to miss doing this podcast and I'm going to like feel really empty without it. But then I end up just putting more time and effort into like my YouTube channel or something else. So it ends up being, it ends up working out to where I'm not necessarily like needing to do this podcast, but I also don't want to like not follow through on the things that I tell you guys I'm going to do because that's shitty. So that's my apology. I am starting back up now. Um, I have a list of movies that I'd like to cover from the year 2000, which I left in the other room. So hold please while I go grab it. This is really hi-fi podcasting right here. Okay. So the ones that I highlighted, I wanted to do at least five or six movies. Um, let me check the calendar and see like if, if I put one out like every two weeks, let's say. So today, then again on the 10th, then again on the 24th, then again on the 7th. So to, today, two, three, four. So I could potentially do like four if I do one every two weeks. Um, So I would love to hear your input if you have, since we don't really have time, I had, I had wanted to do six of these movies from the year 2000. Those are the ones I have like this list and I highlighted six of them because I was like, well, at least I can do those six. And then after that, I can do a couple more because I just figured I'd be doing one every two weeks for the entire summer, which didn't happen anyway. So if you have ideas about which ones you want me, I will actually put a poll up on my Patreon. So let me write that down so I remember to do it. Okay, so here are the choices for the poll. Um, Bring It On, Best in Show, Miss Congeniality, The Cell, and High Fidelity. I'll tell you right now, The Cell is a really important movie to me, so that will probably be ha- bleh, that will probably be happening no matter what. So basically, the other three movies that get the most votes, I will do those. And if you want, I, let me just tell you my whole list that I had here. Um, obviously, any movie from the year two thousand, like if you want to like write it in to the poll do that. If I get like an overwhelming response for like a movie that I've never seen from the year 2000, I will totally seek it out and watch it for you guys. Like I'm just listing the ones that like personally I want to revisit, but this is also about you and what you want to hear me talk about. So other movies that did come out in the year 2000 that I wrote down, American Psycho, Requiem for a Dream. American Psycho would be actually an interesting conversation. Um, I haven't seen Requiem. I don't know if I've ever seen Requiem for a Dream. Aaron Brockovich, which I have on VHS. Thank you very much. And yes, I have a VCR hooked up at all times. <laughs> Almost Famous came out in 2000. Bedazzled. Do you remember that? Like, I don't know if I ever saw that one either, but it's like a cheesy movie where like 
oh god, I don't even remember her name, but she was like a supermodel or something, plays the devil, and I think Brendan Fraser is in it? I don't know. I wrote it down because I thought, man, that's cheesy as fuck. Maybe that'll be fun to watch. Charlie's Angels, the one with um, Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu came out in the year 2000. 28 Days, the Sandra Bullock movie, and Hanging Up, which has Lisa Kudrow in it, I think. Um, so those are just some ideas. I will put on the poll um, the ones that I would really like to revisit, and then I will pick like the top three or four from the votes. And I hope that you will check that out. You do not have to be a patron to vote on my Patreon polls. It's just the easiest place for me to put it since I don't have like Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. So um, it's just going to be, it'll be like a pinned post. So it should be right at the top. If you go to patreon.com slash mixtressray, and that link is always in the show notes. And if you do decide while you're over there to become a patron, I have another podcast that is a weekly podcast Um it's kind of weird to call it a podcast because it's just an aggregate of the talking segments of my weekly radio show. I have a radio show every Friday. Details are always in the description box below called Mixtress Radio. Um, and it's just more personal stuff, which I've told you guys about before. But whenever you become a patron at any level of giving, you get to um, have access to all of those um, podcast aggregates of my talking segments on Mixtress Radio. I can't put the music on there for copyright reasons. Like if you listen live to the radio show, it doesn't cost you anything at all if you want to do that, but you do get to hear music on the actual radio show. Anyway, I will put that poll up today so that by the time this is uploaded, you can go vote on the other movies that I will discuss from the year 2000. I had hoped to discuss like five or ten movies and it's going to be more like three to five, but that's better than nothing. So it just got to a point where I just had to pick a movie. Um, I was just like, okay, okay, I'm going to do it today. Ended up taking like a mental health day off from work today because I had like terrible insomnia last night and I just decided to pull myself out of the funk. I need to like do something productive. So I just picked a movie that I thought wouldn't be too challenging to take notes for and record for you guys today. So this one was not on the poll. You guys didn't get to decide this one. And I suspect that most people wouldn't give a shit about this particular movie, but it is actually like an old favorite of mine, kind of. Um, and it is Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. So I don't know if I've ever talked about it before, but I really love the movie Blair Witch. I really, really do. Someday I'll do like a, maybe someday I'll do a summer of talking about like my favorite horror movies or something like that. Um, because for sure, I, I mean, I don't, Blair Witch is definitely one of my top five horror movies of all time. The second movie is really interesting. It has like, it has the bones, the skeleton, the, the bare structure of something that could have been really interesting. But I did some research on it. If you guys have never seen it, it's a completely different vibe from, from the first Blair Witch. It's not, it's not a found footage thing. It's, um, it's about, it kind of, it, it's another like kind of mockumentary, not really, but it's, it's set in the real town of Burkittsville. And actually I think they filmed in like Baltimore or something. Um, but I'm pretty sure there is a real town of Burkittsville, Maryland, which is where, um, the events of the original movie took place. And it's, it only came out a year after, I think I'm pretty sure it was 99. Blair Witch was 99. It only came out a year after the first movie. And that's where the trouble lies. So it's, I'm trying to explain like the plot structure of this movie. It's a group of people that were like into the first movie. They um, book a tour with this guy who is kind of nuts. Like he just got out of um, a mental hospital and he like profits off of 
the Blair Witch. Like, he goes out into the woods in the Black Hills, and he gathers together sticks and makes little stick figurines and sells them on on a, his website and all this stuff. Stuff that probably people were actually doing after the popularity of this movie, since there was a real Burkitts, there is a real Burkittsville, Maryland. So I assume that this kind of stuff was happening. So he had, like, a whole website where he sold merchandise, and he marketed Blair Witch tours to people. So he would sell tours where he would just pack people up in his van and go out with a bunch of cameras and like camp in the foundation of this crumbling building, which is fictional. But in the movie, in the sequel, it was, um, the actual structure was real and like the legends were, anyway. And there's, in the very beginning of the movie, I would say like the first act of the movie is pretty damn solid. Like, it's not the same kind of thing. It's about people exploiting the popularity of the movie, and it's about people, like, playing on people's fears of witches, and it definitely, like, knows what it's doing, and it has some... It has some intellect to it. And the score is by... Let me see, I wrote, wrote it down... Carter Burwell. The score is really cool. I like it. And I actually have the, like, I bought the DVD when it first came out. Um, or it might have been, like, the second release of the DVD or something. It was from 2001, the DVD. And it's, like, it was marketed as the first DVD-CD combo. And it had on one side of the, of the disc was the DVD movie. And on the other side was the score. CD, which is really, I just always thought that was cool. I never got another DVD that did that. I don't, that did not catch on to my knowledge, but I just thought it was the coolest thing that like you bought the movie and you got the score and the score is cool. I like it. It's a bunch of like natural sounding stuff, like rocks hitting together and like water and it's really sparse and interesting. I, I like the score a lot. And the soundtrack is not bad either. It's got, like, apparently there's, like, some controversy. Like, the director didn't like, like, the the big movie studio. I think it was Artisan or something. Like, they've, they fucked a lot of things up with this movie, which I will get into. Because I kind of dove into the Wikipedia page of this movie. Um, but they, uh, one of the things that they did that the director didn't like, I think the director's name is Joe Berlinger. Um, or Berlinger, or however you say it. Um, he wanted, like, he had different music cues set up in his director's cut, which is not available. And <laughs> there it is. On, like, change.org, there's a petition that was set up three years ago from somebody that, like, and I don't know what kind of validity this particular petition has or what kind of influence it would even have on the director, but basically somebody started it because they wanted to get support for the director releasing his cut because he had intended, there's a bunch of interviews with him, and like he had intended for the movie to kind of be a psychological thriller based on mass hysteria and the the big movie company or whatever they want they were pushing him to get it done get it like edited faster than he wanted to or something and they didn't like the his approach to it it was like too i don't know probably too cerebral or something so they filmed all this stuff like right before they released the movie they filmed all this footage of like um the kids in the movie like killing these tourists and like all this super violent crazy shit and they cut it into the movie to make it seem more like a traditional horror movie what it was supposed to be more like a psychological thriller from from what i gather from the um director's original intentions for the film and i just like as soon as i was reading the wikipedia of that i I was like, what? Okay, does this director's cut exist? And that's how I got led to that petition. And the saddest part is, like, I've, like, never in my entire life run into someone that has seen and liked this movie. Although, it seems from, like, limited 
internet research. It is a quote-unquote cult classic because it has the makings of being a good movie. And in the first like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie, I'm completely on board for the most part. But it does feel very disjointed as a movie as a whole because of all those like, there were all these like scenes of an investigation um, that were part of those scenes that were filmed right before the movie came out by not the director and put in. Um, it's it's very disjointed and it's, I wouldn't say that it's a good movie, but it has the potential to be good. And I'm not usually a person that like really gives a shit about director's cut kind of stuff for the most part. Like I don't normally like get that into it. I normally take a movie at face value, but I was just kind of wondering because this movie has such a stigma around it. If someone's seen it at all, if you even heard of it at all and seen it, you think it's terrible most likely, but it's not actually that terrible. If you can look past the shit that the movie studio was making the movie into and bastardizing it into, you know, if you ignore like the last two thirds of the movie, <laughs> which granted that's a lot to ask, um, it has some interesting points. So let's see, it begins like the, like sort of like the title card says, the following is a fictionalized reenactment of events that occurred after the release of the Blair Witch Project. And again, this is like, this movie came out in the year 2000 and Blair Witch came out in 99. So the the movie studio was really pushing to get this out as soon as possible while people were still like freaking excited about Blair Witch Project. And it's one of those situations where if they had given the director the creative control and time to make this the way that he wanted to make it, I think it really would have been an interesting movie. Um, it's definitely one thing that even this cut of the movie comes away with is it's not trying to be Blair Witch at all. Like the director had said in an interview or something, like he intentionally didn't want to do any of those like shaky um, handheld camera shots and things like that because he didn't want it to look like he was trying to make a continuation of that story or another version of that story. He wasn't trying to do that. This is more of a traditional movie, but it has elements in it in the beginning they're like, they're showing little clips of interviews with people from Burkittsville and how, and you know, people that like grew up there or something. And it was kind of interesting. And a lot of it, I think, I mean, I don't know for sure if it's all mockumentary actors or if they actually interviewed people from the town and like just put that in the beginning of the movie just for fun and it was just them saying things like you know their their town has been like flooded with people that are fans of Blair Witch Project the movie and um they're just talking about you know what it's like to suddenly have your small town overrun with people because of a movie that was fabricated you know and just like the sort of interesting psychological ramifications of that and I feel like that vibe of like these kids going out to like ex and the first few scenes of these kids together they're just on a road trip and then they end up um they stay at the like foundation of like where the witch was or where the tapes were found from the original movie or whatever the fuck and the evening that you spend with them is just them like drinking and smoking pot and being people in their early 20s just hanging out talking getting to know each other because most of them didn't know each other before this little tour and it's interesting just like the dynamics of the different people and they're not I mean they're a little bit like archetypes stereotypes of people but not but they're actually kind of nuanced like the character the characterization of the main five characters was actually pretty interesting I think so the um I'm like jumping all over the place but <laughs> there was this one of the people in the beginning this is one of the notes that I took the the like people that live in the town she was talking about how like someone came to her yard and she she wanted rocks and she wanted like real authentic rocks from Burkittsville Maryland and and this old lady like standing there in her um like 
nightgown or something was like, well, I went, I went to the backyard and I got some of my garden rocks and I didn't really want to sell them because I like my garden rocks, but, but then they just, you know, offered me like $10 a rock and, and, and the wife, she just really wanted those rocks. So I sold them to her. <laughs> And then she's like, and, and I listed it on, she had like a web store too, where she was another one of those people that was selling like little stick figures that she made and stuff. And she's like, and, the, and at first I did list some rocks on the website, but it costs too much to ship a rock. <laughs> and of course that could just be an actor, but it could also be an actual person from this hometown. And there was one other woman that was talking about how, you know, how it's, invaded her life and she was just talking about well you know i i at least make sure i have on a full face of makeup if i go out to the street to get my mail and a really nice nightgown you know <laughs> it was just cute the way that the whole story started was was cute and interesting and i was even re-watching it now like this is a movie that i was excited to see and I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theaters in 2000 it came out October 27th 2000 I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater and I really liked it you know I was super into Marilyn Manson at the time and his song is the first one you hear during the credits it's like this great shot of like um like an aerial shot of the forest and it's like the forest at the end of like fall or something so it's all dead and crunchy and just cool looking and brown and it's playing Marilyn Manson's Disposable Teens which isn't a great song but you know it gives me nostalgia and uh yeah anyway so it does that first third of the movie doesn't have as much of the there's a little bit of like the stuff that the movie studio insisted be filmed right before release and to make it a more traditional horror movie some of that stuff is in the first third of the movie but mostly it's done in the second you know two-thirds of the movie and that's where it just really falls apart but that first 20 minutes man um i look to see if it's streaming and unfortunately it's not streaming any i think it's on amazon prime maybe i don't know if it's i don't know how, how amazon prime works like i think you still some titles you still have to pay to rent i don't have amazon prime so i don't know how that works so i'm just like no, no one's probably really gonna want to watch it but especially because it's not free but you can rent it for like a dollar 99 on um what was it that it was a dollar 99 on i can't remember but you can find it but you do have to pay to rent it i think unless it is actually free on amazon prime but since i'm mostly only recommending i mean it's not the worst movie ever if you watch it all the way through it's just it's kind of it loses its original mission statement that i feel like the first 20 or 30 minutes um posits and so that's mostly what I'm going to be talking about is that first 20 minutes because I kind of stopped taking notes after that. Um, let's see, where are we? Oh, this is just a quote from the director. He wanted this movie to be a meditation on mass hysteria, which is interesting um, in that context. It didn't actually like do a good job of executing that because of all the crazy editing that was done. And the fact that it was rushed you know that is another thing that i i feel like queen of the damned had a similar problem and i haven't actually like done any research on that particular movie but i think it had it had it had something but i feel like it was edited too quickly possibly because of alia's death they probably wanted to get it out as soon as possible after her death because maybe they thought it was creepy you know like to put out because you see her burn alive on screen in that movie so they were probably just trying to rush to get it out there because they might have been afraid that it wasn't going to get put out or something i don't know i'm just making things up and this is not about queen of the damned but it's another thing you know when you watch a movie that you're like something's here like this particular movie the acting is great these people feel like really natural human beings they're all great in this movie the acting is good some of the editing is really good so you can tell that like the director you know he had his 
say in some part of it, you know, it wasn't all completely butchered, but it did feel very disjointed, which I'm going to keep saying over and over, but anyway. So he wanted the movie to be a meditation on mass hysteria. I don't think you were, like, the, the general plot is that they spend this night in the woods, and later, and they wake up the next morning and they blacked out for a few hours and they don't remember what happened and all of their stuff is destroyed. They wake up and like all the cameras are destroyed. The book that two of the characters were working on, they were writing a book about, um, their, the title of the book was Blair Witch, History or Hysteria. And <laughs> so their book was destroyed. Every, they wake up and everything's destroyed and they start putting it together and one of the main characters has um, a, a miscarriage. I almost said hysterectomy, thinking of the word hysteria. Um, she has a miscarriage, and that, so they get out of the woods. So there's no like plot line of them not being able to get out of the woods. That doesn't happen at all in this movie. They, As soon as she is bleeding, they all gather together in the van, and they take her to the hospital. You know, it's very what reasonable humans would do in that situation. Um, so I guess I need to explain. Okay. So, okay. Let me just finish talking about the fucking plot. It's not that complicated. So eventually they put it together that, um, it seems like they may have killed some Taurus. So you see them during the night, some like another like Blair Witch tour shows up at the site and they're like fighting about who gets to stay there that night <laughs> which why didn't they just all stay there you know um but it's like this is the only time you see people of color in the entire movie and it is um two asian um people on this tour and then one german person that is on this other tour that they like run into briefly but they eventually put it together when they come back that it's possible that they killed those people, even though they have no memory of doing it. Um, and they have all these tapes. They found the tapes, even though all of the cameras and everything were destroyed, they found the tapes and they were able to like play back the tapes and see what happened and all this. Anyway, I think that probably the director's intent was that you never really know. I'm sure that he was going to edit it in such a way that, um, or have it edited, you know, he's probably not, was probably not the editor, but I assume that the intent was that you just kind of go along this journey with them and it makes you feel crazier and crazier as the movie goes along. And then you never really know what happened. There's a little bit of that in the ending of the movie, but like it wasn't brought home in a way that made it feel really poignant, you know? Um, but that's the basic plot. Let me tell you about the characters. So this is what I mean about like them being, they're kind of archetypes, but they're kind of not. And one of the things that really drew me to this movie and the reason why I liked it so much, um, when I first saw it in the year 2000, which I would have still been in high school, I would have been like a junior in high school or something like that. And the reason why I liked it is, so the main five characters, there are three women and two men, which right there, that's weird. Usually in, in a group of five white people movie, there'd be one token girl. So that's kind of interesting that it was three girls and two boys. First of all, it was a couple. So there's like, um, the, I, first I wrote down writer girl and writer boy. Um, I do not remember the guy's name, but the girl's name is Tristan. And um, they are writing that book, Blair Witch Hysteria or History. So they're on this particular tour to gather research for their book. And they're kind of, they fundamentally disagree. Like um, the, the guy is firmly the skeptic that thinks that it's all hysteria. And the girl is, she says something really interesting. So during the night when they're all like getting drunk together and you see them like having a good time before you find out that they blacked out and something happened or did it, um, you see them having an argument that I think is really interesting. Like their interactions in this moment, that whole scene where they're like 
getting drunk together in the forest. It just reminds me of like times that I got drunk and smoked pot with people in the forest, you know, like it just, it felt very real and authentic to me, just the kind of conversations that people were getting in. And it was really interesting to see the two of them interact because they're in a relationship together and they're arguing. And the whole time that they're arguing, they're kind of like playing with each other's hair or, or he's playing with her hair and they're arguing and they are really passionate about the subject. So they're really smart about the way that they're wording things too, even though they're drunk. And it's just really interesting. And you see the chemistry between them and it's just, the actors are good in this movie, I'm telling you. So one of the things that they say is, something that I always remember because this is like a topic that really resonated with me when I first learned about it in philosophy. Tristan, the, the girl writer, she says to him during this little argument that they're having, if people believe something enough, isn't it real? Perception is reality. And he's like, um, arguing with her and he's like, well, I just, I, I understand what you're saying. I just think you're fucking wrong or something, you know, because they're both drunk and they're arguing with each other, but they're arguing in like a productive, like discussion kind of way, which is really cool. <laughs> I don't know. I just love that moment. And then her response to him saying, I think you're fucking wrong or whatever it was he said. I didn't write down what he said, but she responded, well, I think you're being a monomaniacal reductionist. <laughs> and it's just, it's just cool. So there's that like writer couple. Tristan and whatever the guy's name was. There's the <laughs> crazy boy is what I wrote, but he's the one that's leading the tour and he's just kind of super nuts. He's not that nuts. He's kind of exploitative of like this whole environment, which he grew up in this town. So it makes sense that he would try to make money off of it. Um, I guess when the movie was first, it, within the narrative of the movie, of course, when Blair Witch, the first movie was released, he was in a mental hospital. So as soon as he got out, he got super excited about the movie and watched it a bunch of times. And then he started creating all this merchandise and like setting up the website and all that shit. So he's the one that's heading the tour. And then the two other women, one of them is um, a goth girl and her name is Kim. And they meet her when they're like going to pick her up for the tour. They meet her in a cemetery and she's just like very introduced as being a goth girl in a cemetery, but she's also like sort of sarcastic. And like when you first meet her, she, they ask her like, what are you doing? Cause she's like laying on a tomb or something. And she's like, I'm trying to summon the energy. And they're like, oh, like within the gravestone, within the grave. And she's like, no, to stand up. <laughs> and she's like sarcastic and she's funny and she doesn't have that like back in the year 2000 and me being like a goth girl, OG goth girl from, from that time period. Um, I was always very like bristly about the way that like goth kids would be portrayed in things. But this goth kid was portrayed as just a regular human being that liked to wear a studded collar and, you know, perfectly blended eyeshadow. Like, she actually looks like someone that I went to school with, um, kind of, that also was really great at makeup at a very young age. And I was always in awe of it. Like every time I put on goth makeup, it just looked really sloppy and terrible. But anyway, she was a nuanced character and she was also somewhat psychic, which I thought was an interesting like layer to add. She would just kind of know things sometimes. And she didn't actually, she wasn't like, mystically or spiritually inclined otherwise you know when people would ask her how do you know that or whatever throughout the movie she'd just be like i don't know i just know things i'm sorry i just know things sometimes and i don't know why and i don't know i thought that was interesting nuance to a character that they could have like and mostly did back in the day with goth characters which is something i've paid a lot of attention to like i said um they didn't make her I, they made her a real human. You know, actually all of these people <laughs> remind me of people that I actually have known. Like that writer couple kind of reminds me of some people that I've known in the past. The like crazy guy that runs the tour reminds me of a lot of people I grew up with in my small town. <laughs> Cause you know, I've always hung out with the weird kids and this was a group of weird kids. You know, there was no like I mean, the writer couple, they kind of looked normal, 
but they weren't like super judgy of the other people that were in the group that didn't look normal. Um, everybody just sort of like treated each other with a general base level of respect and they were curious about each other because they had never met before and just like just I don't know the character development and stuff in the first part of the movie is just it's really actually good and valuable I think I think I'm gonna try to take away from this that in the future whenever I think to myself gee do I want to watch Blair Witch 2 again is that movie terrible I can't remember I just need to remind myself like if that director's cut ever becomes available I'm definitely gonna be interested in seeing that go sign the petition at change.org if you want no one I I don't know if I said this part but that petition was put up three years ago and I think I did say this. Okay, sorry. If I did, I'm sorry. I'm saying it again. It was this petition was put up three years ago, and it has like 250 signatures, and they want 500. And I'm like, oh, it's taken them three years just to get 250 signatures. I signed it. I did. <laughs> anyway, um, and then the last character that I haven't mentioned yet is um, her name is Erica, and she is. Um, I, I wrote her down, down as Wicca Chick, and she is just like a genuine witch that follows the religious tradition of Wicca. And I saw some stuff online about like Wiccans, Wiccans and witchcraft pra practitioners in general, which they are two different things. Don't get me started on that. Wicca is a religion and witchcraft is a practice. So you can be a witch that also follows the traditions of Wicca. Like... If you're Wiccan, you are a witch, but if you're a witch, you don't necessarily follow the follow the traditions of Wicca. That's not actually that hard to explain. There it is. But this chick does identify as Wiccan. And what's interesting, like people online, there was kind of a backlash from witches at the time and the portrayal of Wicca in this movie. But to, to my mind, and I know a lot about this, and even back when I first watched this movie, I knew enough about Wicca traditions to know whether or not they were portraying it accurately. Accurately, They actually are, in this first part of the movie, portraying Wicca pretty accurately through this character. You know, the things that she says, she she discusses the Wiccan read, which is a big thing, which is the Anna Harm Nun, do as thou wilt. She kind of states that. She talks about, like, um, also part of the Wiccan read is the idea that anything you put out there into the world, whatever energy work you're doing as, as your practice in Wicca and witchcraft, it comes back to you threefold, which has been something that's like, a lot of people are really like, they don't really go for that anymore, that particular thing. But back in the year 2000, that was definitely like the, if you knew two things about Wicca, it was, and it harm none, do as thou wilt. And whatever you put out there comes back threefold. I mean, that was in the craft for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake. But um, I think that that character actually portrayed Wicca pretty accurately. Um, however, what is, it's the last two thirds of the movie that fucks with witches and witchcraft in general, because it's just the entire idea of like the Blair Witch having evil intent, whereas, you know, 99 out of 100 witches do not have evil intent towards people. And I think that's probably what people were bristling about. But overall, I think the the portrayal of a Wiccan person was kind of great. And this was a nuanced character. And also, like, sexism-wise, this movie really didn't get my hackles up. And that is extremely rare for something from the year 2000. You know, like, these women were portrayed as being pretty self-possessed. If someone made, like, you know, some stupid offhand remark towards them, like sex sexualizing them or something, they responded in snarky ways that diffused the situation and people respected them for having those responses. Um, I was worried at first when I first started watching it again, it's like, oh shit, I don't remember. Do the, do the women even talk to each other? Does, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Yes, it does actually. It passes pretty early on in the movie and frequently. The women interact with each other just as much as they interact with the men, you know? And there's not a lot of, I don't know, like there is like some sexual content, there's some nudity, there's a lot of nudity in the movie actually, but it's not, it's done in like a weird ritualistic 
way it's not done to my, I mean, it didn't look to me like it was exploitative at all, which is kind of, I don't know. <laughs> like I'd still, I've never said this sentence before in my life, but I still stand this movie. You guys, <laughs> I do. As the kids say, I still stand this movie. I, I even liked like, as far as portrayal of Wicca, um, Tristan, one of the, the female writer chick, she was saying to Erica, the Wiccan chick at one point, um, they were just talking about witchcraft and they were all like, you know, genuinely curious. And they were asking her a lot of questions. Like, what does it really mean to be a witch? And they even have this conversation at one point, um, her and Kim have this sort of conversation about like the, the erroneous things that people believe about Wiccans. And she's like, you know, they were talking about the devil and she's like, people think I worship the devil, but I don't even believe in the devil. And Kim, the goth girl at the same time is saying, yeah, people think that I just like sacrifice babies or something just because I like to wear black makeup and, you know, and it's just a very like natural conversation that people that are just getting to know each other would have, you know? Anyway, at one point, Tristan was talking to Erica about her, her wickedness she was doing a spell like you actually see her doing different spells throughout the movie like she's a practicing witch and she does things like she'll go up to a plant and say can I take this leaf and then pluck the leaf and then say thank you and that is actually a thing that a lot of witches choose to do if they're going to be using herbs and natural items in spells and stuff you know so anyway they were having a conversation about it because she saw her doing a spell and one of the one of the things that Tristan said to her was, I thought witches could summon powerful energy. And, um, Erica's like, we can, we still have to eat shit and die. Like the rest of you, we just look good doing it. And it's just, it's cute. It's just cute. Like the way that these characters just get to know each other and they actually are nuanced beyond just like goth girl, Wiccan chick, you know, they have, I mean, not a whole lot is said about them other than that kind of surfacey stuff but whenever I mean these kids are probably like late teens early 20s or they don't really mention their ages at any point but that's what you can assume that they're late teens early 20s um and I don't know I didn't have a whole lot of depth to me at that age either you know I just identified as a goth girl and I really cared about how I looked <laughs> you know and I did also have interesting opinions and human-like qualities underneath that but a lot of people just back then especially like people were really hostile towards um me dressing goth you know like people would not bat their eye now if i walked down the street with like full smudgy black all over my face um or you know in the eye area of course <laughs> um but back then they would just like literally pull their children closer to them and like protect them from me you know like i was so scary and that was the actual reaction. Like the people in this small town, the way that they react to Kim, the goth girl's character is actually really accurate to how people would react to me back then. So I really identified with that. It's, it's, it felt like the movie was written and directed at least that first third again, from this, from a perspective of a person that is a weirdo that grew up around other weirdos and he was portraying them in an accurate way. And I just, I just like it. I just like it. Okay. What else do I have for my notes here? Oh, um, when they're like going through at the beginning of the night that they're staying at that foundation or whatever, the guy's like going through all the cameras that he brought so that they could document everything, you know, and he's like listing all the different types of cameras and stuff. And they show a shot of like, his like suitcase full of cameras. And one of them is the Sony camcorder that I actually bought with my graduation money back in 2001. My dad gave me like $400. And I think the camcorder was, took like almost the whole amount. I think I'm pretty sure I bought it at Walmart and I was just like, wow, this is an investment. I have my own camcorder and I used it so much and I still have it actually. Um, that first, if you follow my YouTube, which is just under Mixtress Ray, but I have like some videos on there that I've filmed with that camcorder. It is not working the best these days, 
but I do still have it. <laughs> but it was in this movie, that exact model of my Sony camcorder for back then, so that was just funny. Do do do, already settled that. Um, one of the things that the director also said um, was that the gore sequences added to the movie, like, afterwards, that he didn't intend to be there. He said, quote, fought against the ambiguity that I tried to nurture in the film. So, again, that just, ugh, if this movie had ended with, like, you just having no fucking clue what happened and you feeling just as confused and hysterical as the characters do by the end of the movie. And I, I feel for the actors, too, because, you know, while they were making this movie, I can imagine that what they thought they were making was a really interesting psychological thriller. And I'm... I'm a huge nerd for a psychological thriller. Like, most of the quote-unquote horror movies that I like, what I like about them is the way that the characters deal with whatever's going on. I'm more interested in the character development and how they are reacting than the actual plot itself, you know? Anyway, that's just me. Um, what else? I just wrote, Erica has tarot cards. At one point, the, the Wiccan chick is like, they're at the hospital after they take Tristan there because she has a miscarriage. And, um, cause she's like, I guess I didn't really mention that she was pregnant, but she was like six weeks pregnant and she didn't want the baby, but he did. And so the decision wasn't yet made what was going to happen. And she did drink a lot. She did drink a lot. And at one point he like got onto her for that. Um, but it was interesting the way they dealt with that because normally like, normally in pop culture, if you know a character is pregnant, she will not be taking a single drink, whether or not she ha she's decided if she's going to keep the baby or not, you know? But in this movie, they just, they show her straight up getting drunk and it just feel, it was treated not in a judgmental way. And I'm not saying you should drink if you're pregnant, but I just thought it was interesting that instead of the typical way that that storyline is dealt with, it was dealt with in a much more human way that like, you know, I mean, I've definitely been around people that are pregnant that do things that they definitely shouldn't be doing and there's a certain level of like you love that person so you're not going to completely disown them for the terrible things that they're doing yes you're going to lecture them about it but you're not going to bring it up too much because it just starts a huge argument and i don't know that just it was another little situation that felt real to me because they argued about it um like maybe you should take care of yourself you shouldn't drink so much and because she was being a little bit reckless because she didn't want the baby and, you know, there was just that little seed of that that was put in there. Um, and then, but it was dealt with in a real way. And then the next morning she had the miscarriage. But anyway, um, while they were at the hospital, there's a, there's one little shot of like Erica, like using tarot cards and she wasn't the one that is kind of psychic. You know, that was the goth chick. The goth chick was kind of psychic, but she didn't believe in the mystical shit. She just kind of knew things sometimes. I don't know. It was just unexpected character choices and nuances that you wouldn't normally get, especially for a movie from the year 2000. That's all I'm saying. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, there are some things throughout the movie that are little things that are misrepresentations of, or that just kind of paint witchcraft and Wicca in a bad light, but it's, it's done for narrative purposes. And I think, I do think there is a distinction between the character, the Wiccan character and the witch shit that is part of the horror element of the movie. Um, okay. I think that's probably like all I have to say about it. Um, if you're interested, watch the first 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> and if you just want to have a good time, um, getting drunk with friends, you know, stay relatively sober for the first 20, 30 minutes and then just let yourself go after that, you know? <laughs> um, I, let's see, I did write down like my normal, like object, outfit, quote, MVP. So sure, let's go ahead and do that just to end out this episode. Um, object, object of the movie that I would like to pluck out and keep for myself. 
there was a lot of cute shit like um just as far as like what the characters were wearing and stuff like that i really liked the goth girls boots it was just that era of goth boots which was like somewhat chunky heel but not too chunky and they were like knee length boots um i definitely had a pair very much like those um and she had like a it was a studded collar that was pretty cool <laughs> but um let's see i think i would just want erica's tarot cards because i couldn't it was just like one little shot where you didn't really you didn't get an aerial view so i couldn't tell which deck she was using it kind of looked like she was using the aquarian tarot i'm a tarot nerd so the color scheme kind of looked like the aquarian tarot i would just like to have the movie prop of whatever tarot deck she was using whether it was a real tarot deck or just created for the movie that's what i would like to have so let me write that down outfit of the episode i mean really it was just these five characters and like 72 hours of their lives or something like that so they were wearing the same clothes the entire time um the wiccan chick had some pretty like amorphous earth tone kind of flowy clothes um the goth chick you know she had her knee boots and like a lacy tank top with and she had like she had like a nice fitted like black trench coat that was just like a little too classy for a goth girl in her early 20s in the year 2000 but other than that it was good <laughs> it was just like a little too burlington coat factory like it should have i don't know the one that i had back in the day was um it was like a velvet brocade and it had like faux fur on the cuffs and the lapels and like the bottom of the coat and it was pretty damn cool um so yeah outfit of the episode i guess i'll just go with the goth girls outfit because it is um one that is in my mind classic late 90s goth and i would wear today yeah she had like fishnets or something she had like a fishnet shirt that had these cool cutouts on the shoulders um or maybe they were just ripped i think they were actual cutouts though i don't know um but yeah it was an outfit that i would have wore worn back then and would wear it again today so let's just say her outfit kim's outfit quote of the movie i'm gonna say because i actually like use this in some of my witchcrafting <laughs> i think of this all the time and it's something that um, erica chants like at one point during the movie she's really stressed out and she thinks that she's going to be like killed and she's like doing a spell to try to doing like a protection spell for herself just to try to like you know get out some of that anxiety and what she's saying over and over and over again is by earth and fire and water and smoke persephone i invoke by earth and fire and water and smoke persephone i invoke and that's just stuck in my head ever since the year 2000 seeing this movie so i actually use that sometimes i mean it's not persephone necessarily but i'll actually say since you're listing all four elements which is part of the practice of witchcraft you incorporate the elements and energy work that you do and um I do that I will say by earth and fire and water and smoke protection I invoke or whatever I'll just add in whatever it is so I've actually used that and it's not the first time there's a symbol from a spell in Buffy that I use all the time when I'm just like carving a sigil into a candle or something I use that symbol um, I also use um, stuff from the craft stuff that was said in the craft such as in perfect love and perfect trust <laughs> you know so that's gonna be my quote just because I actually say it all the time because it's such a perfect like poetic chant that you can just say over and over and over again and it calls in all the elements at the same time so that's the quote MVP of the episode I don't know i really like both like the wicca chick and the goth chick but i also like tristan like before she just like totally spirals out of control after her miscarriage and just gets crazier and crazier and crazier she is a very smart person with really interesting ideas and she's somebody that i wanted to get to know all three of the women are just like i don't even remember the two guys names um 
and they were like okay but they were almost just supporting characters honestly like the boyfriend guy was the boyfriend guy and the tour guy he was interesting because he was like nuts and he reminded me of people that i grew up with so he was interesting but like actual mvp of the episode i'm gonna give it to i'm just gonna be snarky and give it to the woman that um sold her garden rocks and was standing in her nightgown at the beginning of the movie standing outside in her nightgown and then she said it costs too much to ship a rock <laughs> yep she gets mvp five by five okay so like as far as like treatment of women in this movie it's really not bad honestly like despite the fact that in the end two of the female characters died so that is kind of where it really goes bad like there were three girls and two guys why couldn't it been could why couldn't if you're going to kill two of the characters in this main group why didn't they just kill one of the men and one of the women that would have been more equal so it gets points taken off for that um i think i should incorporate people of color into this schematic too in my five by five ratings just like inclusivity in general inclusivity of women and inclusivity of people of color and inclusivity just in general i mean it is a very small cast movie however easily one or two of the people in that group could have been people of color the only people of color in the entire movie you see for like three seconds and they're killed so as far as like i mean it's as far as a movie from the year 2000 it really doesn't piss me off that much within that context but the inclusivity is definitely not as good as it could have been so i'm going to give it a three for that um as far as enjoyability of the movie again that first half hour is fucking excellent and i love it i would give i would give that first half hour like five out of five but the next half of it it's really it's not that bad but it's definitely could have been better especially now knowing that there is possibly a director's cut out there or even if he never made it he could make it um and i think i would enjoy the director's vision for where the movie went so much more but not knowing that i probably would give the movie like a three and a half but knowing that i'm gonna give it a three which means the movie gets a nine so that is my 20 years later review of blair witch 2 book of shadows so i know no one was asking for that but it felt like a good safe one to get started with and I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't completely hate it um, because I've always been a defender of this particular movie and I thought that it's possible I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> it's just been so long since I've seen this movie. But for the most part, I think it holds up and it's definitely imperfect. But um, if you're a fan of Blair Witch, they're com totally completely different movies. But... Um, I think the next time you rewatch the first one, just go ahead and pop this one in for the first half hour, you know? <laughs> just give yourself the full Blair Witch experience. Um, definitely check out the score. I think the score is on like Spotify and places like that now by Carter Burwell. Um, and it is, I think it's good. I think it's good. It's good, like, especially if you are a witchy type person, it's great, like, witchy music because it incorporates natural elements and stuff like that and it's fun so thank you guys for your incredible patience since it's been almost two months since i posted a podcast episode um as far as just like when are we going to get to talk about buffy again let's go ahead and answer that question right now september 26 we will get to talk about the first episode of season five i'm kind of thinking about like doing a buffy rewatch of like I'm thinking about starting it over and just binging it up until the point where we start talking about season five episode one um, so let me know if you guys would like me to create an episode surrounding that if I do it will be like a week or two before we talk about season five episode one um, 
I'm thinking about doing it just for fun, not like getting super analytical about it, but just doing it and then babbling about it a little bit because I haven't rewatched those earlier seasons of Buffy since I did them for this podcast. I haven't done a regular bingey type rewatch of Buffy since before I started doing this project. I've just been watching the ones that are 20 years later and that's it. And it's such a weird, slow way to watch Buffy. Um, that I'm just thinking that would be fun to just go back and rewatch seasons one through four, just to totally refresh myself for starting again on season five. So let me know if you'd be interested in that. Um, maybe I'll put that as an option on the poll, like movies that I could talk about and then put that on there as just like a little, I rewatched seasons one through four and here's a little recap of when I did that. Um, yeah. Okay. So check out my Patreon poll, vote for the movies that you want me to talk about, write in movies from the year 2000 that I don't mention if they're important to you, because I would, I would definitely, and you have a really good chance because not a lot of people will vote on my polls, historically speaking. So if you head over there, your vote is really going to count because you might be like one of four people that votes. So, um, definitely head over there because this is uh, a situation where your vote really will count. So patreon.com slash Ray. Vote for the movies from year from the year 2000 that you want me to talk about throughout the rest of the summer, which is really just going to be August and half of September. So head on over there. I can at least squeeze in three or four movies from the year 2000 to talk about. And I think it'll be fun. So let's do it. Okay. Bye.